and welcome to a brand new episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. This is Jeremy B. Mitch, your host, welcoming you to episode number 169 of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. And here is what we have in store for this classic episode. We will do like we normally do and take a look at the news. Not just Doctor Who comic news, but comic uh, kind of related news, artwork related news. You'll find out when we get into the news segment. And then in our classic interview, I am going back in time to 2014 to one of my very first interviews I ever did. I had the pleasure of chatting with Rob Williams and Al Ewing. Both of those were up-and-coming comic writers who were writing the brand new Adventures of the 11th Doctor for Titan Comics. They were co-writing the book. Uh, the book was just about to start with a brand new first issue. And I had the pleasure of chatting with both of these fine gentlemen about what they had in store for Doctor Who, uh, for 11th Doctor for the Matt Smith Doctor, and um, you'll get to find out more about them in this episode. For those of you who weren't listening way back then, I think it'll be a treat. Um, as some of you know, Rob and Al both have gone on to bigger and better things since then. I would think uh, most people know Al Ewing from his work for Marvel Comics, especially the Immortal Hulk uh, series that he did, which kind of was a revolutionary telling of uh, an incredible Hulk story. Uh, Rob Williams is no slouch himself. He has done lots of stuff since Doctor Who. So I hope you enjoy this classic interview represented with Rob Williams and Al Ewing. I hope you enjoy this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. If you, you are new to the podcast, you can find previous episodes wherever you downloaded this on your favorite podcast uh, service. And you can also find even older episodes if you go to archive.org. And do a search for Jeremy Bement or Doctor Who Panel to Panel. You can find all previous episodes as easy-to-download MP3 files, or you can just listen to them and stream them right then and there. Um, but I hope you check them out. There's lots of good news, uh, interviews, and things like that on there for you to listen to. So with this out of the way, let's get into the latest news in Doctor Who. In Doctor Who comic news for this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel, we are going to start out like we always do, taking a look at new releases. Uh, we're just going to look at the month of October for this episode. We are going to start out with uh, October 3rd. That is when the Doctor Who Magic Cards debuted from Wizards of the Coast. Uh, I didn't really hear anything about them uh, putting stuff out for sale, although they, there have been a lot of picture releases of all the cards that are in the Doctor Who Magic the Gathering set for those people who play uh, collectible card games. I know if you go do some searching online, I know Bleeding Cool, uh, the website for comic books and other pop culture media, had a big, long uh, article that had a lot of the Doctor Who uh, cards and artwork on there. Some of them look really, really stunning. Um, if you want to invest some money in Magic the Gathering, if you love Doctor Who artwork, I highly recommend the Doctor Who Magic the Gathering cards. So those kind of, they debuted them this week. Uh, they actually go on sale on October 13th, on Friday the 13th. So make sure you hit up your local comic, or, uh, comic book store, because they usually carry games. Hit up your local game shop as well, and uh, you can reserve yourself a box of uh, boosters or commander decks or whatever you want to get to try to collect those cards. Other things that will be coming out uh, this upcoming week on Wednesday, October 11th, if you buy your Doctor Who magazines physically in, uh, in physical form from your local comic book shop here in the U.S., they're supposed to get Doctor Who magazine issue number 592 in. So if you have been collecting Doctor Who magazine, hit up your local comic shop on Wednesday the 11th. 
But then on Thursday the 12th, digitally and over in the UK, Doctor Who magazine issue number 596 will be out. And that should uh, finish up the last part of Liberation of the Daleks, I do believe. And um, then we will see where Doctor Who magazine goes next as far as the comic strip goes. After that, uh, the only other release that we have coming up for the month of October, uh, originally it was planned for, well, 2022, but then it got bumped back to October 24th, but now it's been moved once again to Halloween uh, on Tuesday, October 31st. That is when Once Upon a Time Lord, the hardcover from Titan Comics and writer Dan Slott and art by Mike Collins and Christopher Jones and Matthew Dow Smith uh, is supposed to be released. Uh, most comic shops will see it on uh, Wednesday, November 1st when they put out their new comics. But uh, who knows, if you order it from Amazon, uh, you may get it uh, on Tuesday. So make sure you pick up a copy of that. Trust me, I've, I think I've raved about it enough on these episodes. Uh, you definitely don't want to miss it. So there's the new releases for this uh, episode of, of Panel to Panel for the news. But in other uh, Doctor Who comic news, one thing I wanted to bring up Cutaway Comics uh, just started a brand new Kickstarter to start their Inferno Precursor. Um, for those people who are fans of classic Doctor Who, of course, uh, most people know the, the story Inferno from the John Pertwee, the Third Doctor era. Well, Cutaway Comics is doing a story that is kind of a lead-up to Inferno. Um, they are doing it as a, as a comic book series. And if you go to Kickstarter and do a search for Cutaway Comics, or probably a search for Inferno, you should be able to find it. Um, it's You can get it on the ground level by getting digital copies. That's the way I usually do it because I'm over here in the States. And to have all those comics sent from the UK kind of is a little not really cost effective. But for me, to get the digital copies, it only costs you about you know $12 for, for four issues, which is, a, in my opinion, a great deal. And you support a uh, a small press publisher, and it's it's Doctor Who related, so it's a no brainer in my opinion. So make sure you check out Kickstarter and um, do a search for Cutaway Comics or Inferno, and um, you'll be able to uh, get in on the ground level. Uh, the Kickstarter just started a couple days ago, so make sure you check it out. Other Doctor Who comic-related news, uh, Doctor Who magazine, or there have been teasers on formerly known as Twitter, now X, that there is a special 60th anniversary Doctor Who magazine that is coming out. Um, the pictures make it look almost like it's going to be a slipcase magazine or a slipcase bookazine uh, to celebrate the 60th anniversary. And to me, it looks like a, a wonderful thing. Haven't heard much more about it than that. But make sure if you're over in the UK, keep your eyes peeled to your new news agent to uh, get that when it comes out. And I'm sure that we will hear more about that in the upcoming weeks. And one last little bit of news. It's not really news. It's kind of, well, it's a rumor slash news. But uh, rumor has it that a new issue of Vorp Vorp magazine will be out in time for the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who as well. For those people who don't know what Vorp Vorp is, it is, uh, it's, it's hard to describe it as a fanzine. It's not a professional magazine. It's kind of in between. It's a, a magazine or a book that uh, celebrates Doctor Who comic strips, Doctor Who animation, um, kind of the fringe elements of Doctor Who. It is something I have uh, raved about on this, this podcast. 
and they are putting together a brand new issue to coincide with the 60th anniversary, and I'm sure we'll be hearing about it uh, here shortly, how you can order your own copy. So make sure you go to vorpvorp.co.uk and bookmark that and check it every single day so that way you know when you can order your copy. And that is it for Dr. Who Comic News on this episode. Let's jump into a classic interview. Like I said in the introduction to this episode, we are going to go back to 2014 and take a look at an interview with a couple writers who were, I think, kind of new to Doctor Who. Uh, they were writing the very first uh, story arc for the 11th Doctor for Titan Comics. Writers Rob Williams and Al Ewing joined me way back then on Episode 7 to chat about uh, working together on the 11th Doctor comic. And both these two uh, fine gentlemen have gone on to bigger and better things since then. I would say Al uh, is well known for his work with Marvel Comics. I know him best for writing the Immortal Hulk uh, series that he did for them, but he's also been doing a bunch of other stuff for Marvel Comics. And Rob Williams, he has been working a lot on Judge Dredd and working at 2000 AD, uh, but he just also had one of his very first comic works. I think the one that really put him on the map was a story he did called Class War, which is being uh, recollected and put out by Image Comics as a trade paperback. So make sure you check that out as well. But back in 2014, they joined me to chat about Doctor Who. They both were big Doctor Who comic fans, or Doctor Who fans, and uh, were enjoying the fact that they got to write the Matt Smith Doctor and bring him to life in the pages of Titan Comics. So without further ado, uh, enjoy this interview, this classic interview with Rob Williams and Al Ewing. Today on Doctor Who Panel to Panel, I have with me Rob Williams and Al Ewing, the co-writers of the new 11th Doctor comic from Titan Comics. How's it going, guys? Uh, not very too good. bad. Yeah, thank you for having us. Oh, thank you for being here. I'm, I'm very happy and excited to uh, see what happens with this new Doctor Who comic that you two are working on. Um, to get started, let me start with Rob first. Hey, Rob, can you give us kind of a brief background about how you got into writing comics and maybe uh, give the listeners a couple titles that you've worked on so they can search out some of your background goodies? Okay. Um, uh, well, I started off as, as a freelance journalist, which I was and, and still am to an extent. Um, and um, from that, I, I pitched a... Um, my first ever comic trip was it was a, um, a comic called Class War, which I did for a company called Comex, mm -hmm. and they were. Um, I was lucky enough that they published that, and that went down fairly well. And from there, that led to other things. I've done lots of work for 2000 AD over the years, um, um, things like Judge Dredd and Low Life, and uh, I've done a fair bit of work for Marvel on um, titles like uh, Ghost Rider and. Um, uh, Darken, uh, Wolverine's son, and uh, I, and other stuff as well. I've done. I did the Star Wars comics for a while for Dark Horse, and I've done runs on other things which currently escape me. I've been doing this for a while now. <laughs> you, you tend to forget things you've worked on, but yeah, that, that that's possibly me. And I should plug my creator on comic, which is out now called Ordinary, which um, I think all people who love Doctor Who would obviously enjoy very much. Anyway, Al, over oh. to you. Um. Yeah, well, about 12 or 13 years ago, I, uh, I basically started working for 2000 AD, um, which is, if there's anybody who wants to get into writing comics, listening, um, they are one of the few uh, comics with an open 
Rebellion are one of the few publishers with an open submissions policy mm -hmm. in that they, you know, they have a working slush pile. Sure. And you can send in your, um, you can send in your little slush. Uh, <laughs> your slush. Yeah. <laughs> if you send in a sort of four page twist ending science fiction comic and, you know, it can be a horror comic. It can be a sort of time travel oriented. They've got lots of different uh, genres for these sort of first try stories to be in. You can, uh, and you can do what I did, which is, you know, send a few of those in. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of rejections. I mean, it took years before I uh, got any kind of series or um, any kind of regular work. But, um, yeah, eventually I started getting uh, regular series from 2008. Uh, there's uh, Zombo in collection, if people want to seek that out. That's mm -hmm. one I co-created with Henry Flint, uh, who's one of the one of the greatest artists working today, but tragically ignored by uh, the American market. Um, and then from there, uh, I worked with Rob and Slice Barrier on Trifactor, the Judge Dredd kind of crossover thing, uh -huh. um, which which has done quite well. And then from there, uh, Marvel Comics got interested. And there was a, a short period at Dynamite as well. Uh, I did a run on Jennifer Blood, uh, Garth Ennis's um, sort of... I don't want to boil it down to Housewife Punisher, but most people do. <laughs> um, and then for Marvel Comics at the minute, I'm doing Mighty Avengers, uh, Luke Cage's team, and uh, Loki, Agent of Asgard, which is uh, fans of the Thor films will uh, get a lot out of that, I feel. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, both of you, you gentlemen are, have been really busy. And, uh, like, Rob, I, I remember your Class War series. I, I used to run a comic book store, and so I remember when that came out, and I remember being really impressed with the story and the artwork. Oh, thank you. I mean, that was – well, I mean, like I say, that was – the first uh, issue of Class War was genuinely my first ever attempt at a comic script. Um and I was fortunate enough to find uh, publishers who who were <laughs> enthusiastic and, uh, enough to, to to be willing to take on unknowns and also to just I didn't even pitch that that was just I gave them a full script not because no, I didn't know what I was doing at the time uh -huh. and no uh, no no only did they like it and agree to publish it but they teamed me up with um, a world class artist in, in Trevor Hairsign so I kind of I, I I really kind of I lucked out there that was that was about as opportune a kind of way of breaking into the comics market as as I could have ever hoped for, really. Yeah, that was a very impressive way to break into the, the comics uh, world. And, uh, Al, I, I remember your Jennifer Blood stuff from back when I used to run the comic shop, and uh, I was really impressed by that. Oh, cheers. No, that was that was a lot of fun today. That was, um, that was another case where Dynamite gave me a lot of rope, and uh, I was allowed to do things that maybe... On a sort of, on a more kind of higher profile corporate character, I might not be able to, um, I might not have been able to do. Um, I understand Stephen Grant's bringing her back. Uh, yeah, I read Stephen, that. Stephen Grant, yeah, he's, wow. he's the new writer on Jennifer Blood. So I'll be very interested in, um, I might pick that up because I'll be quite interested in, you know, mm -hmm. what he does and if he, if he remembers any of the <laughs> wacky characters that I brought in there <laughs> that were all killed. <laughs> Uh, no, that's uh, looking forward to reading that. Uh, but I think, I think that the, the bulk of our of our work and the reason we know each other and is, is over the years is probably 2008. But of course, to a yeah. American mm -hmm. audience, that that the stuff we've been doing for the last decade, both of us, is probably not not as well known. But I think well, it's sort of it's sort of weird Euro comics. You know? Yeah, it is. 
Although increasingly with the with the iPad, um, I think 2008 is getting more and more of an audience in the States because now the problem was over the past 10 years, it was quite difficult to get. It had to kind of be imported and there were the packs, Rebellion sent out packs mm-hmm. of four issues at a time yep. and it was very, it was quite fiddly, I got the impression. Yeah. Um, and it was quite difficult to build up an audience. Whereas now people can download it and then if it's sort of like once you can download it on an iPad, you sort of know you want it and then you can go look in physical copies and it's sort of so I, I really do feel like it's picking up more of an audience I, I can under, digitally, uh, digitally and physically. Yeah, that, that's understandable to me as, as somebody who, who ran a comic book store. 2000 AD wasn't a book that I normally stocked just because it was something that didn't sell all that quickly for yeah. me. You know, I, if somebody special ordered it, I would get it for them. So and it's it's something I think most comic shops here in the States don't want to uh, put on the shelf just because they don't think it's going to sell that well compared to like a Marvel yeah. or a DC or a mainstream book. Sure. It's, it's something you had to look for. Yeah. Um, I think, interestingly, with, yeah. with the reason we're talking today with the, the Doctor Who connection, I mean, this, this new relaunch through Titan, through Doctor Who, it's, it's 95% uh, 2080 mainstays of the last decade. If, if people, mm-hmm. you know, the, yeah. uh, we've got Simon Fraser drawing our book. Um, there's Robbie Morrison is doing the 10th Doctor and the, and the 12th Doctor, yeah. and you've got Des Taylor uh, doing the 12th Doctor comic, I believe. Um, uh-huh. oh, Dave Taylor, yeah. I'm sorry. Dave Taylor, yep. um, even even Nick Nicobestus, um Am I pronouncing his name right? I wondered that. I, um, I physically held back from saying it just because I, was I just nervous. leapt in there. I just leapt in there and insulted him. Um, <laughs> Sounds pretty close. No, he's he's not done. He's not generally known as a 2000 AD writer, but he has done. I'm very sure he's done. He's done some work for 2000 AD in his time. I, I mean, I think pretty much. Um, I'm pretty sure every British comics writer, except maybe Kieran Gillen, has by now done some work for 2000 AD. Mm-hmm. There's, there'll be others. There'll be others who haven't. It's not. But I think something like 90, 90 to ninety five percent of all British comic writers have worked for two thousand eighty at some point, unless they're in the small press. So, Posey Simmons. Posey Simmons hasn't done it yet. Give it time. Yeah. Uh, so the two of you are now writing a Doctor Who comic. I'm assuming that both of you have been Doctor Who fans for quite some time. Oh yeah, since childhood. Uh, since I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's. I'll be honest. I wasn't sort of a huge fan as a child. I kind of watched it off and on because it was it was part of you know you you just did you were a kid in the UK. Um, My kind of sort of real emotional connection with it is is um, has come in later years really. Just in in as much that um, my son is now eight and he loves it and has loved it for a few years and we kind of watch it together and that just brings a real kind of um, you kind of enjoy it together, really, you mm-hmm. know. But um, but um, yeah, I mean, I've always liked it. I mean, I remember reading the Doctor Who comics when I was a kid. I mean, I loved them, possibly loved them more than I loved the show at the time. You know what I mean? When you uh-huh. had people like Dave, Dave Gibbons drawing them, and um, it was Steve Moore wrote them, wasn't it? I think. Yep. Am I right? Yep. Steve Moore did some writing. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, yeah. I mean, so yeah, I, I, I think in, in in one form or another, I've always been a fan. And uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, when I was a kid, it was something that was technically, I mean, I missed plenty of episodes just because I remember it it clashed with some sort of after-school activity that I was dragooned into. 
So uh, I resented. <laughs> I resented learning terribly. Um, but no, I remember uh, Peter Davison. Uh, he was. Um, trouble is, when I really got the Doctor, I remember of the classic series because all I really remember of Pete, Peter Davison is um, the regeneration bit where he goes away. Uh-huh. So what I really remember from my childhood is what's now remembered as sort of the crap seasons. <laughs> um, I mean, Colin Baker, poor old Colin Baker, he had some terrible material to work with. Uh, so Which was all, what they made his, uh, his outfit out of as well. Yeah. God. yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Sylvester McCoy had a dire, he had a dire first story. And all through his first season, there was all sorts of like, they didn't yeah, really know what to do with them. And it was like, um, no, but I have memories. I have memories of like being Doc 2 in the playground, uh, of like running around being Sebastian McCoy. Mm-hmm. See, the thing, so, you're yeah. making me feel old now because it was like Tom Baker was, was <laughs> my childhood. And, and I actually, uh, who, and I also, I, I was convinced for years that I could remember uh, Pertwee episodes. But um, uh, I'm. Is that physically possible? No, because I looked it up recently, and I think he regenerated in about seventy-four. Yeah, and I was I was three, so there have been, there'd no have been re, I want to say reprints that have been like uh, yeah, reruns. You know, reruns. I think there was a Pertwee one where there was an, was it like invisible spider giant spiders on backs? Yeah, yeah, yep, that was that the was final the story. Last one that frightened a living bejesus out of me. <laughs> uh, so I definitely saw that as a kid at some. Well, point. that one. That was one of the ones that was rerun quite a lot, I think. Okay. But that was great. They had that brilliant, like, I think it was the second episode of that, where they basically, that was like, right, this is the last John Pertwee story. Let's give John anything he wants. And it's like this massive James Bond chase in like three different cars and a helicopter. Yep. And like a hovercraft. There's this bit where he like runs a hovercraft over a tramp and like the tramp like <laughs> looks at a bottle, throws it away. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> it must have, there must have been some like small section of like John Pertwee's contract that it's like at one point I have to be Roger Moore. <laughs> Otherwise, he, he had the karate chop, didn't he? He had yeah. the, the one karate chop move, which is very impressive. Um, just, people kind of forget. People assume Doc Two was like, like set in stone from the beginning, and it really wasn't. I mean, especially in like the first three or four Doctors, it was. It wasn't until Tom Baker that it really sort of ossified. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and even then there was like there's early period Tom Baker and late period Tom Baker but basically every time every time you have a regeneration you get a completely new show mm. it's a completely different TV show and I mean John Pertwee especially because suddenly it's like oh you know we're not going to be flying the TARDIS around anymore it's going to be in a corner barely mentioned and you know he's going to be we're basically going to do the Avengers for a bit yeah he's just part like this, of and that's, that's where the, the karate I'm just, obsessed with John Pertwee's karate chop I'm afraid <laughs> Yeah, with this bearded guy, this bearded guy who comes back every week. Yeah, that's like, you know what? Uh, yeah, I would agree yeah, that I, just, I think they kind of overused the master a little bit back in his era. Well, it was just every single every single plot at some point the master would turn up. But also, they were always. I mean, I, I see. I have memories of Pertwee episodes where every single one seemed to happen in a flint mine in Wales. Um, I think that yeah. <laughs> budgetary cons- every alien planet looked a lot. I mean, I grew up in Wales, so I, I, I was convinced the entire universe looked like where I grew up. Basically, uh, are you um, writing any quarries into? Uh... Now you mention it, I feel I must. <laughs> 
I feel I feel you much. I, I'm I'm writing at the minute. Um, this is one of the things I'm a little behind on because of um, the tube. Yeah. Uh, it sounds I, like a Who villain. I'm sure we. Can yeah, for it. for the benefit for the benefit of the listeners at the home at home, I had a I had a tube in me for a couple of weeks, and it was very distracting. Um, but the. Oh. Well, I like the thing you just said, for the benefit of listeners at the home, it implies <laughs> we're just being fed, played to an old people's home somewhere. But anyway, carry on. Probably are. Um, but yeah, basically, I'm doing a story at the moment that's kind of, I'm trying to make reminiscent of the classic base under siege thing. So it's like, you know, a sort of, a kind of scientific base in, a, um, in an inaccessible place mm-hmm. with all the kind of... Uh, and you know, there's a, a threat has sprung up, and there's all the hierarchies and the power structures and the the infighting, and you know, it's all the doctor just lands in this mess of office politics. Sure. And to the and you know, starting off like some of the old Trout episodes start off with just like the first several pages are just like getting to know all these characters and their weird office office infighting and politics and stuff, and then like suddenly we cut to the doctor mm-hmm. like halfway through. So, um, if every if every comic is about. Uh, it's almost like that first Doctor one where the Doctor doesn't turn up at all. I haven't run this past any editors yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how did the two of you get uh, selected by Titan to write the uh, 11th Doctor comic? Um, it was a result of Trifecta. Yeah. The Dread thing, I think. Uh-huh. That, was, that was what stuck us in their minds. Because I think they were looking at a, a sort of co-writing system. Uh, for the for the tenth and the eleventh, mm-hmm. um, and I think because uh, to begin with, um, have we mentioned this in interviews that Simon was involved? I, I mentioned it in an interview, but I can't remember with who. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, at first Simon was involved, and then he's he's got a load on at the minute, so he can do it in the end. So it was just me and Rob. Ah. Um. But basically, you know, we'd sort of proved that we could work together and come up with our ideas outside the box. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, it, I, I feel like we've got a we've got a decent writing partnership. Um, we, I, the way it works at the minute is that we'll do sort of one of us will write an episode. Occasionally, we will collaborate, but one of us will write an episode and then send it to the other, and then basically just to check over and you know make sure we're not contradicting each other. Oh, okay. But we're sort of meshing into um, meshing into a style. I'd, I'd say we're we're meshing relatively well. Yeah, I think so. We're sort I of think taking. I mean, sensibility-wise, I don't think yeah. we're we're a million miles away from one another. And because we um, we um, sort of both get a chance to go over each other's scripts and tweak here and there. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess that that allows for a kind of uniformity of voice. I mean, it like for the first issue, we we literally I wrote got very tweaky on that. Very we, we wrote eleven eleven pages each, uh-huh. and, and then mm-hmm. sent it back and forth. It's 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 a pretty much a fifty fifty uh, exact yeah. uh, episode. So it'll be kind of interesting to see if people can can spot the kind of see the uh, joints. Yeah, a change in tone really. Uh-huh. But but cuz yeah. uh, reading it afterwards I I couldn't. Um but um you know maybe I'm sort blind of, script. I but, uh, I, mean, then, I I did kind of go over all your dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. And like tonally attack it. Um, I could say it was awful. Did you say it was awful? <laughs> I didn't say it was I didn't say it was awful. I thought it was great. <laughs> Is that what you um, talking? 
I think I expected you to do the same, and then you didn't, so I felt really guilty. <laughs> yeah, that's all part. Well, this is not a therapy session. <laughs> so, so are like, are you each kind of writing your own separate story and then kind of proofreading each other's one and, and checking them out? Yeah, we have we have a kind of an plot, sort of a, yeah. a major, a kind of series plotline that kind of goes over the entire series. Okay. And then we sort of treat the... I mean, we're kind of treating this like a season of Doc 2 in that we'll have one-parters and two-parters and then, you know... Uh, I think we I think we end end with a couple of two-parters. It's mostly... Yeah, there's a few in the middle. I mean, basically, yeah. we, like I said, we we worked out a kind of season-wide, like, like I said, plot, as, as Al said, and then yeah. we gave each other issue gaps... And okay. then it's, it was up to us to kind of go away individually, even though together we'd worked out the plot, um, to then fit in that week's episode plot, for want of a better way of putting yeah. it. Um, and there's a couple of like two parters I think we're co-writing, um, but um, yeah, like it's been issue issue two is is just Al on his own. Issue uh-huh. three is just me on my own. Um, Four yeah, and five. It's you, isn't it? Is a two part. Yeah, I've got I've got four and five, and then I think you six. get six, and then six, um, six is me, which is the 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 one I've most I, I've most recently finished. Yeah, which was a complete head melter. Oh. Um, mm. um, that's oh, one that's thing. I, 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 did, I did a time travel, a really strong time <laughs> to time travel episode of uh, of uh, issue of Doctor Who, and I kind of, it makes you realise that how even though he's a time traveler by by essence of the show, mm-hmm. um, very often he turns up somewhere and then he has an adventure and he goes away. And and in terms of actually playing with the mechanics of time travel, it, it kind of really happens. And there's a reason for that because it's an absolute head melter to write. Um, I think we've talk, seen. A, <laughs> sorry, we've seen a lot more of that with um, the eleventh than yeah. any other Doctor. Uh-huh. I think so because I think Stephen Moffat is a big fan yeah. of. Yeah, he's done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Doing right, a bit yeah. more kind of time travel within episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's quite thematically, it's a, it's, it's very good. It's a very good story for the Eleventh Doctor. That that sixth issue. I mean, I've I've read it. It's fantastic. Right. Oh, cheers, um, no, it's good. I mean, it's um, it's a really. I'm never doing, I'm never doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> it made my head hurt. Trust me. Well, it sounds like you two are going to be writing uh, for quite a while. Uh, I think how many issues is it? It's about we've, 50. Got, we've got fifty. I think it's fifteen issues in a, in a year. Uh, we've got sort of all sort of plotted out. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, uh, and then, uh, and then, then after, after that, I think you know there's there's a loose thing that if we want to carry on doing it, if we they can want to carry on, on if we want. to. Yeah, if if all concerned want want to. Um, yeah. So and well, I mean thus far it's just yeah. I mean I must admit, I'm, uh, people say this, but genuinely I've just really been enjoying it. It's just, it's a bit of a blast to write the Doctor. It's got to be said. It's yeah, just... it's hard to get his voice. I have to. Um, I've actually I was I was in a, I was in a bit of a pickle at first trying to get get his voice right. So I've I've actually downloaded a few episodes on iTunes. Uh-huh. And now, like, literally, I'll write a panel and then I'll listen to about a minute of his dialogue and get his voice back. Yeah. And then I'll write another panel. And it's just... 
Because, yeah, you've got to get his... Um, and the way he sort of... Rob, uh, Rob was saying he's got a lot of quite long... A lot of run-on sentences, a lot of kind of long... You've got to chop away at his dialogue. Yeah, he kind of rambles on a bit from time to time. Yeah, if you let him, if you, yeah. if you accurately uh, imitated the Eleventh Doctor, mm-hmm. then you'd just have panels filled with words. Yeah. That's that's been my main concern. Is just I, I kind of I've kind of felt that when I'm writing him that um I, his voice I think for right or wrong it, uh, I think has come quite easily to me. But I think I think the problem being is that very often I find with comic writing, you know, it's a visual medium. The the less words you get on a page, the better. Yeah. The yeah. Story, as much as possible, the visual should, should tell the picture, uh, should tell the story. And um, I find I'm looking down at my pages, and I've had a great time writing them. And the dialogue is all sparky and fun, and I'm I'm really like the dialogue. I mean, I I, I look at the page, and it's a massive dialogue on the page, and then you have to go back and and start chipping away at it, like Al says, because otherwise the poor artist is just going to have pages filled with, with dialogue balloons and it's going to be visually dull to look at. Uh, And I I think that's, I found the challenge, which in terms of what's specifically different about writing the doctor compared to writing other comics, that's, that's what I find is the main problem. Yeah. And I mean, with, um, yeah, there's that. And with with other with other comics, you're kind of there's a certain amount of wiggle room when it comes to the voice. I mean, if if mm-hmm. like somebody says, "Hey, write Spider Man" or "Write Mr. Fantastic," it's sort of generally understood you'd be writing like your version. Yeah. Um, whereas I think it's very important that when you read a page of the Eleventh Doctor, you hear that voice in your head. Uh-huh. And if something, if something doesn't quite work in that voice, it'll knock the reader right out. Um, so yeah, that's probably what I spend most of my time on making it sound, making it sound accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, sorry, this is just repeating myself. That that's okay. That that makes sense. Um, <laughs> is compare that to writing the new uh, companion uh, Alice it's some, oh yeah is it, is it a lot easier to write her just That's because much you, easier. you get to you know what she sounds like in your head and you can just put it right on the paper yeah I can just sort of like um, you know fix a sort of rough I've got you know rough idea of like where she's from what she sounds like um, her general temperament and then yeah the dialogue just comes fairly easily mm-hmm. there um, I have a lot of trouble with the. I'm having a little bit of trouble with the other companion, Rob's Rob's companion. We haven't uh, uh, really said who that is yet, have we? we um, no, that's... so I'm going to keep it very vague. <laughs> yeah. uh, Teaser there, new companion of... coming up. That's another one where I'm sort of listening to listening to YouTube videos to sort of get the voice right. Yeah, it's kind um, of. I, I just read. I, We've got a companion coming up who, who throughout the the run, is is kind of based upon uh, a, a a very well known pop culture figure, okay. and uh, I just I just read his um his biography um <laughs> to try and get I try and get my head around him a bit more as well. But um but that's kind of fun. It's kind of I think and then there's another we've got a third companion as well, who is who is absolutely nothing like yeah. him you've seen on the TV right. show, and I think. I think one thing I, I, that Al and I are kind of like quite strong yeah. on 
is is trying kind of going. This is a comic. This is not the TV show. Um, this is not the audio adventures uh, or the novels. But how can we yeah. make use of the comics form? But, you know, and uh-huh. there's things this 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 one companion we've got as as people will see. Who um, I mean, the budget would just be yeah. You know, they, they yeah, the budget would teach. be astronomical. I mean, they they tried something like that in the Davison years, and it just broke them. Ah. Yeah. Um, but it's basically. Yeah, it's it's a it's a companion with an infinite budget. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We're still kind of working out <laughs> all the things we can do with him or her, <laughs> <laughs> with the as yet yeah. to be uh, announced companion. Yeah. Yes, um, but I mean, I almost I almost want to kind of say almost nothing about about this companion, but that <laughs> yeah. it's going to be really um, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, to have them to have them on the TARDIS. Oh, Isaac. Uh, I mean, one one thing I'm finding is that we're getting into a thing where I think four, including the Doctor, is about the maximum you can have on a TARDIS. Mm-hmm. You're kind of going back to the Peter I mean, Davison years where he had. Yeah. Uh, now I'm I'm fairly comfortable with the Peter Davison years, mm-hmm. um, but it's notable that. Uh, no, but I'm just I'm just sort of thinking like right. So where's if you know if companion A is over here, where's companion B? You know yeah. what, what are they doing? Where's companion C? What's their job? And it's like this is this is what it must have been like in the Davidson years. You know, finding something for like Turlo to do and mm-hmm. Nissa and uh, all of these people. Yeah, it's kind Adric. of uh, kill Adric. To to sort of yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting to have sort of in the last issue I just wrote. The three companions are on board by that point. And um, yeah. it brings a, it's a little team dynamic thing going yeah. on. It's suddenly, a lot different than than just the Doctor and Clara, or the Doctor and Amy. But um, but I guess it gives us more scope to kind of like you know, uh, one of the things you know in terms of having stakes here is the fact that yeah. you know, okay, we know how the eleventh Doctor's story ends. We've seen him regenerate now, but but we don't know about these other people. Yes, and and what happens to them, and, and and if we I've said elsewhere that you know if we do our job right, then people will care about them, and there's no guarantee that they're getting out alive, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully that makes it gives a, the whole comic a bit more of a vital feel than if we were telling uh, the Doctor and Amy and Rory stories, uh-huh. for instance. Um. Did yeah. when um. Alice came about. Did Titan want you to create a new companion, or was it the two of you saying we want to come up with somebody new? And likewise with the these other two new ones, did you just say we want to add a couple more people to to the TARDIS crew? Mm. Uh, Titan, Titan, we're looking for new companions, but I feel like we're kind of of one mind on that. We weren't. We didn't have to be persuaded very hard. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they, I mean, I came, I pitched the idea for the second companion just because it was an idea I thought was a lot of fun. And yeah, um, I think I think Al came up with the third. You you came up with the third, didn't you? That was yeah. Your... I was. Um, I think I think all of us together were thinking we're like put put Alice together, and then and I think each of us uh, kind of contributed contributed something. But with um, I think with the the second companion, I'm sort of following Rob's lead to an extent. And then the third companion, we've kind of got a very sort of hazily defined, and we're sort of exploring the possibilities. Uh-huh. It's, yeah, it's kind of uh, nice. I mean, I've said, I've sent Al emails saying how, because I've just had to write with it. How does he talk? 
Yeah, how does he talk, Al? Because it's yeah, kind of... and I was like, well, a lot of colons. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, which reminds me, yeah, I have to, I have to go over your dialogue and put lots of colons in. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, I'm just seeing a theme emerging here. I have to go over all your dialogue, Rob. <laughs> This this is where it breaks up. I'm expecting I'm expecting the same of you with um having you know with your biographical knowledge. Uh, I'm expecting you to go over mine with a fine tooth comb. Um, uh, it's, um uh, it, I mean this is a kind of uh, the weird thing is with comics um, compared to other mediums, TV especially, have writers' rooms and there's a, a bunch of different writers involved, and usually even a showrunner will will create a uniformity of. A voice, you know, and, uh-huh. and it doesn't happen that often in comics, but it's kind of, I've done a few jobs with Marvel, which have been involved with, like, written through, through the writer, yeah. uh, writer's room kind of a, a, um, process. And we kind of brought that into Trifecta with 2000 AD, and now we're doing it here. And it, and it kind of, there's no reason why it couldn't happen more in comics. All you need is no one to be a bit of a, you know, depressed yeah. about their own work. You've just yeah. got to have an, a, a willingness to kind of go, the be, you know, the best idea wins, uh-huh. basically. Um, yeah. which I, we've always been fairly fairly good at, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just like arguing if there's a disagreement, if both sides sort of argue their corner and, you know, don't get precious about it, then that's... Uh, but I don't think they're really... Not on this. I don't think there have been any major issue. I mean, there have been a couple of things where, like, how about this? And then, you know, we sort of talk it over a bit and then we go with the best idea mm-hmm. that... That's not really a disagreement. That's a conversation. Okay, that's, that's, why we have ed- that's why we have editors as well, of course. Yeah. Ed- editors oh, yeah. No. Get final say, and, and of course, everything here is run past the BBC as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've, they've been very good so far. Yeah, I, I mean, had to but, take a sodding out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> haven't had too much of a somebody, dis- somebody couldn't say. They haven't put a wax on anything too much. Um, I had that's to take really. a nosebleed out. Oh, yeah. uh, I it was like. Think- no, it was like that. At one point, um, the doctor, the doctor's had a lot of nosebleeds on my pages. I keep, I keep like giving him nosebleeds, <laughs> but I had to take one of them out because it was like I don't. I'm not sure the exact reason, but to be honest, you know what's what's a nosebleed here and there. Yeah, I've. Uh, I'll be vague, but I have to take out a joke I really liked about one of the doctor's enemies um, making having a hidden talent for baking. They didn't particularly like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's about it, though, I think, if I remember right. I've, I've tweaked here and there, but... Um, being I think when there's, when there's conflicts with the TV show, I think somebody got renamed because of a possible conflict. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, <clears throat> that did. But um, these are tiny things. These are not things where, like, they're coming in and saying your entire plot... Is not what we want associated mm-hmm. so with it's the BBC. Just kind of little Doctor things here and there. Doctor Who on the Enema Planet. <laughs> he, he would never tube. visit. <laughs> Doctor Tube, your your tube art yeah. is. Uh, um, <laughs> so, um, move one of the tubes. I was wondering, is there any like uh, classic Doctor Who monsters that you would like to throw into one of your stories, or you know, are you a, a Dalek fan yes. or Cyberman fan? We got um, well, in six. The one I just written, there is a there is a classic Doctor Who uh, villain in there. Uh, yeah, we finally got one in. Oh, yeah, yeah um, 
which I was kind of I, I put it in just because I was look yeah I mean I, I I kind of almost thought that might get shot down. I think there was a sort of uh, a certain um, uh, it's like new companions, but I also think they were kind of relatively even though there was a lot of artistic freedom. Yeah open to us i think they kind of wanted us to come up with some new monsters as well which we've done uh-huh. um, yeah i think i had some suntarans in at a very early stage and they were like can you make up a new monster and i was saying oh, okay so we've got some cool new monsters coming in oh awesome it's always um, good to have new ones that are much better <laughs> uh, so I, i'm but glad, yeah, I'm, glad I, I, but i did enjoy sneaking in my the old one in the last issue I yeah it's nice um, i'll tell i'll tell you what um I'd love to do, and I keep saying this uh, in public, so I'm worried somebody will beat me to the punch now. <laughs> but um, uh, what's his name? Salamander, that Patrick Troughton villain, who's also played by Patrick Troughton. Oh, from the Enemy of the World. Yeah, and I mean, he's sort of sucked out of the TARDIS doors and into the Time Vortex, but you know, we never see a body. Mm-hmm. So I, I would really like to, and I keep suggesting this, and like, um, with there's do. never really. There's never really a space to actually do it, but um, I'd still love to do it. Is bring him back and have like Matt Smith versus Patrick Trout. That'd be awesome. We should do That'd that. Be... Why didn't we do that? Let's change oh, everything and do I that. Suggest, I suggested it about ten times. You suggested um, it like a like a, like you were being prodded by an invisible person throughout our initial meeting. I see. <laughs> yeah, I kept like. But it, it is a brilliant. It's a brilliant idea. Why didn't we all just go? Yes, let's do that. I, I don't know. I think. Um, it's not at too one point it was At one point, he was going to be like the big bad. At one point, he was going to be like the the final villain. Um, yeah. But I think that got shot down fairly quickly. Uh, right. we'll do that we'll do that that's, that's, sounds that's, good sounds good to me and it sounds like you uh, have some time to to work that in yeah. down the right down maybe, the line. maybe if we carry on to like series two uh-huh. yeah if, if patrick Houghton suddenly turns up in series two then you'll we know just, that we uh we've just given it away we've given away the big reveal <laughs> that we're not even contractually signed up to do yet we've it away anyway. so so oh. how's it like working with uh, simon Fraser? Oh, he's brilliant. Uh, Rob, you've got more experience working with him than I do. He's he's history's greatest monster, I think. <laughs> uh, he's uh, no, he's um, he's, he's a you know really nice guy. He's, he's a friend of ours uh, again through the two thousand D connection, uh-huh. and um, and he's just you know an excellent artist. He's he's done f- fantastic work on Nicolai yeah. Dante uh, for many years, and um, and I, I did a series with him. Oh God, I can't remember when in the early noughties called family, which kind of came and went, but that, yeah. I mean, so we, we have worked together before, but there was, you know, a long period in between, but yeah, it was, it was one of those things again, where Titan had approached Simon outside of us and it just makes it so much easier when they, they turned around yeah. to Nye and kind of went, Oh, and by the way, Simon Fraser's drawing it. And we went, Oh, okay, fantastic. Um, uh, so that was nice. We didn't get, we got someone we already know and and, and enjoy working with. Uh-huh. Uh, but he's he's really good. His likenesses of Matt Smith are great, and not they're not they're not stiff likenesses either. I mean, he gets a lot of character in it. There's a lot of fluidity there as well. Um, yeah, and he he kind of designed the um, he designed Alice from our yeah. sort of notes. And yeah, as soon as as soon as um, as soon as we got that. Uh, I mean, for me, at least her, her entire personality kind of fell into place. Yeah. 
I mean, like, because um, he, I think he had her looking a little bit stern, and you could see she, she was about like thirty nine or so, like pushing forty. And this is something, and immediately that kind of suggested the whole thing. Like, uh, there's a thing I keep saying in interviews, which is, and it's something I kind of keep in mind, which is that while the character of the Doctor is like several hundred, you know, going on a thousand years older than the character of Alice, if they were actors on a screen, Alice would be the older actor. Mm. So that dynamic is kind of always in the back of my mind that, you know, this is somebody who has the gravitas uh, to kind of um, not take all of the doctor's crap with, you know, she's not a sort of like, because um, Luke has a tendency to surround himself with these quite young young people, pretty young people of uh, um, various genders. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, han- handsome young sailors. <laughs> um, there is, there's, but, no, there is oops. a kind of. Uh, I think there's a line in. I forget. It's in. I think it might be in my my issue three where she she Alice displays a bit more wisdom about something. And he says to her, he goes, it's really nice to be traveling with someone a bit more my own age. And she says, you cheeky git, you're about 900 years old. (laughs) But I think there's a, I think he does enjoy having someone around who, who isn't as, as, as young as, as usual. I think it's, it's, it's something, but I think he, I, I think the way we've written it, I think he enjoys Alice's company quite, quite a lot. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's like, but at the same time, she's kind of an adult uh, in the way that all of these kind of early twenty-somethings haven't quite kind of come into their adulthood yet. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and you know, and now that we've got other companions in the mix, it's kind of the dynamic kind of changes again. So it's all it's all good. No, I'm really, it's really cool, kind mm-hmm. of putting all of these different kind of characters together in a box, a literal box, and then shaking it up. Yeah. Well, it sounds really interesting to me. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing where your stories go after the first issue comes out here in a few weeks. Oh, yeah. yeah it's pretty close now. July, yeah, is it July 26th? 23rd. 23rd, okay. Yep. That's, oh, wow. That's okay. when this episode's going to go up as well, so... Um, I, I'm yeah, well. looking forward to seeing what happens down the road with the two of you. And um, you've answered all the questions that I had written down. So um, I, I'm interested to see who these new these new companions are. And uh, is there any uh, final thoughts or, or words you want to leave with the listeners about uh, what you think about uh, how your run is going to be uh, looked at? Um, I don't know. I, don't know. I, mean, I, don't, I don't want to like suggest anything to posterity. <laughs> <laughs> I think we will be hailed as gods. Um, yes, but uh, no, I, I, I don't know. I mean, all I can say from a you know a genuine point of view is just it. I think good comics tend to come out of if you enjoy writing them. Mm, I find yeah. the best the you know the stuff that, and I think I've really you know we're really enjoying doing this. I think you can tell that. I, when you read it, hopefully 
that you know there's two people who are quite gleefully rubbing their hands together going i can't believe we get to write the doc <laughs> yeah um, oh that is nice and that's nice it's because you know being honest there's not not every job you get in comics you, you know sometimes it, it can feel like a bit of a slog but but oh. that's not the case here i think i think we're that's both fans you know yeah writing writing generally you can sort of tell when it's coming from a place of like oh i've got to get five thousand words done today uh-huh. yeah um and i think for the most part that's uh with this it's much more like oh yes brilliant what a yeah what a great what a great scene kind of so awesome. uh there's a lot less of the the kind of that'll do mm-hmm <laughs> uh, not that there's ever uh, that'll do I've never said that'll do about anything of course that's your I'd never suggest that that's on your tombstone <laughs> that'll Apple. do that'll do could be worse <laughs> could have been worse <laughs> uh, well, speaking of what speaking to end this on a Doctor Who note um, they're repeating it on a kind of UK gold style channel which because uh, I'm because I'm sort of semi on holiday at the moment uh, I'm in a guest house that gets all these weird channels, including Rodney Bues. Rodney Bues of the Lightly Lads oh, was okay. on Doctor Who, and he's phenomenal. I highly suggest Rob. I highly suggest you track this episode down. He's um, there's one bit where he's like rejecting some brain conditioning, and he bellows, "I can't stand the confusion in my mind!" <laughs> <laughs> like banging his head with his fist. That's because actually he did exactly the same thing in a Lightly Lads episode. Possibly. Yeah. So maybe yeah. just improvising. No, I'd I'd love to see that. Was that uh, which Doctor is that? Oh, it's the fifth. Um, it's very. It's this really dark episode where the like the Doctor releases a genocidal virus against the Daleks, and like Rodney Buse is like in the background, sort of wibbling away. Um, and there's this ah, oh, there's a bit where he has to push his self-destruct button, and he like belly flops onto it like a penguin coming down an ice slide. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. Um, so yeah, Rod- Rodney Buse. That. I'm going to Google you, you that as quickly as I possibly yeah. can. Google Google Rodney Views Doctor Who and then watch him on the YouTube. Everybody, everybody do that. It'll be okay. We will. We will. It's astonishing. Well, Rob Williams and Al Ewing, thank you very much for being on uh, my podcast today, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you have in store for the Eleventh Doctor coming up here in a few weeks. Okay. Well, thanks thank for having us, Jeremy. Thank you for having us. No problem. I hope you enjoyed that classic interview with Rob Williams, now Ewing. I think you can tell by the tone of their voice, uh, they had just started writing Doctor Who, writing the 11th Doctor, and they were having a ball doing it, and that they were feeding off each other and their energy. And if you go back and look at those 11th Doctor stories from uh, Titan Comics that they worked so hard on, you can tell that there was that love there for the character uh, and the 11th Doctor that went into those books and they were just a joy to read so make sure you go back and check those out if you haven't check out the 11th doctor year one i hope you enjoyed this episode of doctor who panel to panel as well i love putting out doctor who uh, panel to panel episodes i have a lot of stuff coming out uh, new stuff coming out in the upcoming month or two i have banked a lot of interviews with people that have projects coming out to celebrate both the anniversary of doctor who and uh, also the upcoming uh, introduction of Shudi Gatwa and the 15th Doctor to the screen. So please continue to download the episodes. I'll continue to put them out. And until next time, this is your host, Jeremy Bement, saying bye. Doctor Who Panel to Panel, the podcast about Doctor Who comics, 
Thanks you for downloading this episode. Let us know what you thought about this episode or of Doctor Who Comics in general. You can find us socially on Facebook at Doctor Who Panel the Panel, on Twitter at Doctor Who P2P, 2 being the number 2, and online at DoctorWhoComics.com. Download previous episodes via your favorite podcast service and find the complete catalog of episodes featuring amazing interviews with creators past and present at archive.org. Just search for Doctor Who Panel to Panel. Thank you.